0: So this morning, I'd like us to speak from the book of Luke, chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 28 to verse 36, and I'm reading it from the contemporary English version. Luke chapter 19, verse 28 to verse 36, as you can tell, my voice is already struggling that's why in the morning kirola Because as you know So maybe you ladies Tanzilim organizers say I don't know Then what you call hallelujah Jesus hallelujah You found Luke chapter 19 we read from verse 28 to 36 after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called Mount Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you as you enter in. You will find a cold tide there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it, and he went along. People spread their cloaks on the road. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. I was raised in a mainline church, which I'm very thankful for, and for the foundation and the molding that I received in my church, the United Reformed Church, which at the time was called Niederdezgaraforomir de Kerk. When I got called into ministry, it was through the advice of one of their evangelists who said to my dad that they should send me to a different Bible school. At the time, and I'm not saying now, at the time, there was something not going right in the uh, seminary of our church. Young people would be sent there to seminary at Stellenbosch, and they would come back being totally messed up. Things were not going well. I was earmarked at our church to be the Domini. I didn't know about it. They'd spoken to my dad about it because of what they saw God do in my life. However, through their advice, they felt that if I went to their Bible school, they would my life would go backwards. And in the words of this evangelist, he said, God's hand is so strong upon your son's life, I'm afraid if he goes there, things will not go well. My father never told me that until 10 years later when I was in ministry. But I remember in our church, one of the things I really appreciated that I see, we don't do much in churches like ours, and I'm trying to do that is to note that during this period, for almost several weeks prior to Passover, even the teaching and the preaching is directed towards the Passover and all the events that led to that. And that is important because when you read in the book of Luke chapter 9 from verse 51, you'll know that during the earthly ministry of Jesus, the three and a half years that he ministered here on earth. When the time came for him, as per the prophecies, and he knew he needed to be crucified, Jesus made it a point that he faced towards Jerusalem and started making his way to Jerusalem. And on the way, there are a lot of things that happened. Luke nine fifty one reads as follows. It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. You see, Jesus was a man of purpose. And he knew that his coming on earth, the crux of why he came, he came to die on the cross. Yes, he did preach. He did do great miracles. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He multiplied the five loaves and two fish. He did all kinds of things. He cleansed the lepers, made them mute to speak, raised those who couldn't walk, changed water into wine, preached the gospel, loved children. All of that being said and done would all be in vain if he missed the purpose of why he came he came and the Bible says he set his face to go to Jerusalem and when you study the chronology of what happened in the gospel you note almost a month ahead Jesus made the preparation to go towards Jerusalem he went there willfully to be crucified and to be nailed on the cross he wasn't forced nobody made him to Isaiah says he went like a sheep that went for the slaughter. He didn't say no. He didn't resist. He willfully offered himself to go and hang on the cross because Jesus came. He said from his own mouth, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. When you read the story of where Jesus would finally go and be crucified, the history around it And when you study it, you note that how people were crucified, the death through crucifixion was the most gruesome death. It was of the most horrible ways that anybody could ever die to date. We are told when you read the history that the criminals who had been sentenced to be crucified, the minute judgment was passed, you could see in their body language how it sent shockwaves through their bodies. Because just the thought of what they would go through on the cross as they were crucified, they would go stiff, they would panic, some of them would pass out. And as practice was, from the courts where they were judged, they would be taken, walked through the streets, walked to outside of the city, And they would climb up onto the mountain called Golgotha. And as they went there, some of them would freeze in shock. They would go into a state of panic. They would fall down and their body would become stiff. And so they would be tied and they would be dragged to the cross. And just the act of being crucified was such a horrific way of dying that the Roman government would deal on criminals. That history tells us that the Romans would never allow their own to die the death on the cross. And so when you were sentenced to die on the cross, the Jews knew that you were a curse. They knew that God has forsaken you. They knew that God's judgment was on you. The Jews themselves, when they killed you, they would stone you to death. But the Romans would crucify you on the cross. And when you read, the Bible says in Isaiah, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. Which means Jesus willfully followed, fully knowing where he was going. He didn't resist. He didn't fight. He didn't go into a state of shock. He didn't go into panic. He willfully followed because he knew if he doesn't die on the cross, everything else he came for would be null and void. And so he is led and is going there and he died on the cross. But before he went to the cross, we read in our passage, He went and had what we call the triumphal entry. He sends his disciples to go and look for a donkey because he needs to fulfill what was written about him. We read even in prophecies that Jesus would come in this triumphal entry riding on the back of the donkey. In the time of Jesus, we are told that a donkey was one of the most valuable possessions that an ordinary middle-class family could have. Yet on the day of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he instructed his disciples to go ahead of him in the city and tie a cord from its post. You'd find it outside a certain place and they found it outside a certain house. And Jesus said, bring it to me because I want to use it. And Jesus says, if the owner asks you, why are you doing this? Just tell them, The Lord has need of it. And that's the title of my message this morning. The Lord has need of you. The Lord has need of you. Why did Jesus ride a donkey on this triumphal entry? Three things. Number one, he rode it to fulfill prophecy. Because of the thousands of prophecies that had been made about Jesus, every one of them came to pass. You know, I listen to people when they say, when we talk about Christ and believing in Christ, this is just a figment of our imagination. They say, we are following something that is not there. We are following something that's not true. And I often wonder if these people know what they're talking about. If this was a setup, I wonder how come anybody could talk thousands of years before about a person who would come. And there would be thousands and thousands of prophecies that would go about this person. Not only prophecies, there would be thousands and thousands of ceremonies that would depict who this person is and what he came to do. And every one of them, Jesus, fulfilled it to the T. Zechariah prophesied many years before in Zechariah 9:9. 9, 9. And this is what he said: rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, Jesus came riding on a donkey to fulfill prophecy. It had been said about him thousands of years before. It's interesting that when horses are mentioned in the Bible, it is always in relation to kings and war. On the other hand, when donkeys are mentioned in the Bible, they are mentioned for common people, regular people. But not only that, prophets never rode horses because prophets don't come as men of war. They come as men of peace. And Jesus rides a donkey as a prophet. The donkey in Bible days when it was mentioned it was for common people its purpose as we all know even those days it was for agriculture and for trade so Jesus uses this donkey to show us that he comes in as a king this prophecy is fulfilled as we see in our scripture Matthew uh, Luke 19 and Matthew 21 when he rode a donkey secondly a donkey in ancient, in the ancient Bible world a leader who rode leaders rode a horse if they were coming for war but donkeys when you rode it it signified peace so Jesus in riding on a donkey he is showing that while I am coming I am coming as a man of peace see Jesus is the prince of peace without Jesus there can never be peace Peace is not a thing. Peace is a person. Peace exists because there's a person called Christ. There are different ways that the Bible talks about peace. We talk about the peace of God. This is the peace that only God can give. We also talk about peace with God. This is peace that we have between us and God. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So he rides a donkey to make a statement that... I am a man of peace. Thirdly, as we mentioned, he rides this donkey to connect with the common people. We are told that life at this time was not easy for the Jews living under the Roman rule in the first century. Many of them were poor people. And we see Jesus, how he embraced the poor and the sick people during his time here on earth. His choice of a donkey instead of a horse It was God's way of saying he's a king, he's come to save the oppressed people, the ordinary people. In our text, Jesus tells his disciples that when they ask why they need the donkey, they should say the Lord needs it. This is very interesting. How can somebody who is Lord, because the word Lord designates an all-powerful person, someone who doesn't need anything. How can a Lord, all-powerful, all-strong, who can have access, who can create anything, how can a Lord be in need? Jesus is showing us that while he is all-powerful, while he can do anything, he needs a donkey. He is in need. You see, this is what happens in our lives as Christians. When we first come to Christ, as young believers, our excitement is around the fact that God has changed us. God has blessed us. We love the fact that he has done something for us. But as we continue serving God, we come to a realization that not only do we need God, but God needs us. Even if he is Lord, even if He's king, God needs us. And so God in this instance... Make sure that we understand that he is in need. God has made himself vulnerable to us, humbling himself. This awe-inspiring God is saying to the disciples, I need the donkey. He is saying to you, I am relying on you. I need you. I want you to be my representative. I want you to be my body on earth. Even if I am Lord, I cannot be able to do what I should do if I don't have a donkey. I'm not saying that God is needy or that he's not all-powerful completely and that he's not capable of doing anything. But what I'm saying is that God has decided in his own wisdom that to fulfill my mission, I need human involvement. The Lord needs you. Can I hear an amen? amen? Tell your neighbor the Lord needs you. Tell your other neighbor, the Lord needs you. So Luke tells us that Jesus sends his disciples to go and get the donkey. What a great moment. What a great moment. Because leading up to this, Jesus had been ministering in all the surrounding areas. News of his powerful ministry, miracles that he performed, had spread throughout the region. And people had been watching him. And they knew that this man is no ordinary man. Now he is about to enter Jerusalem. This is a great entrance. A great entrance into a holy city. A great entrance into this special place that has special significance. It is in this place where God ordered Abraham to bind Isaac for sacrifice. It is in this place where later David and Solomon built the temple. And when it was destroyed, it was rebuilt on two occasions. It is in this place where when you read the book of Revelation, when Jesus Christ comes for the second time, the Christians will be taken from there. And Jesus goes in this place and he walks on this place that is ridden with history. The same place that can trace its history back to Abraham. The same place that God used as a historical place. This is the same place which became the central place for the central message of our Christian faith, where our faith is unfolding. This is the place. And Jesus knew at this moment, this is the special place. And I've come to do something of a great stature. It's a great phenomenon in the nation of Israel. He could have entered with a great show if he wanted. He could have come with a chariot and a horse. He could have come like a great warrior. He could have come with pomp and prestige. Instead, he chooses a different way to enter. He comes on the back of a donkey. Because Jesus, in his words, he says, I always do what my father wants me to do. And so at this time, God the Father shows him a vision of a cult that's tied up in a village ahead. This cult, as I said, represents you and me. Why? Because God saw you before the foundations of the world. He saw you as a cult tied to your son. And he sends people to go and untie you. To go and free you. To go and set you free. Because God wants to use you. God needs you for his kingdom. Yeah. Ephesians 1 4 says, Before the foundation of the world, Jesus saw us and he had a plan and he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God has a plan to use you for his kingdom purposes. This is interesting. He doesn't go for any other animal. He goes for a donkey. Nothing special, nothing fancy about a donkey. He doesn't go for an animal of champion pedigree. He doesn't go for a race horse. He doesn't go for a war horse. He goes for a simple donkey. You know why? Because God delights in choosing that which looks lowly. 1 Corinthians two seventeen says, God takes the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He chooses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Even if you feel like you are not gifted, even if you feel like you are not talented, even if you feel that you are not so clean, even if you feel that you are broken, Jesus wants to ride on you. Jesus wants to use you. Because God doesn't use great and powerful people, just like a cult, a humble animal. This same Lord wasn't born in a five-star hotel. He was born in a humble stable. This awesome Jesus. This altogether glorious Jesus. He doesn't need any fancy trimming to demonstrate who he is. He doesn't need any fancy person to use. He uses anybody. And he uses a donkey. Which means number two. This donkey was ready to be used. Even if it was not qualified as a form of five-star transportation. Even if this donkey was not trained, even if this donkey was not experienced, even if this donkey was not famous, but this donkey was important to Jesus. I don't know who you are. You may not be famous. You may feel like you're a broken person. You may feel like you have nothing to offer. But I have a word for you this morning. The Lord needs you. The Lord needs you. The Lord needs you. You see, it is not so much about us. But it's about a broken thing. Something of no importance. That carries the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because you see, oftentimes it's not about us. It's about God choosing us. It's not about how significant we are. It's about how God ascribed significance to us. What a great honor to be a donkey to be used by God. We need to bear in mind that this donkey could have run off. This donkey could have just backed off because it had never been ridden before. It was not used to anybody riding it. But when Jesus approached this donkey, his majesty, his awesomeness, his power, tamed the untamed, broke the unbroken. And in that moment of time, this donkey submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. You see, you and I, no matter how broken we are, we can submit to the Lordship of Jesus. And when we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to change our nature as we submit to the Lordship of Jesus, God can use us for mighty things. Can I hear an amen? amen. Imagine this lowly donkey, common donkey, carries Jesus into the holy city. Just a donkey, but it's carrying the weight of his presence. God calls you and me to carry the weight of his glory. Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, which is the glory of God. We are ordinary humble people. We are just broken people who have no direction. But it's not about us. It's about whose we are. Not about who we are in our own stature, it's about who is riding on me. And let's not forget when God begins to ride on us and people start bowing and shouting Hosanna, let's not forget who they are doing it for. Amen. Let's not forget. Can you imagine if this donkey after this event it's hanging out Lima Ken? It's eh hey, the other day, when they get to the yeah, which is so we are to call. Minna Naya sang again at Jerusalem. I said, I'm going forward to Nabuanaban to Jane, bowing before me, putting all the palms in front. I'll go forward to Yavan Laban to Bangshaya, Ting And Jesus would be looking from heaven and say, Donkey, don't forget, they were not doing it for you. They were doing it for me. God help us when God is using us not to be proud, not to think it's about us, to think that it's about the Lord. Can I hear a shout in the house? Let's remember it's about Him. God calls us to carry the weight of His glory, the presence of His power, even though we may not have value in the eyes of people, even though we may just be an, a beast of burden, just an ordinary donkey that carries no glory, that has no poise, that has no glory, that has no stature, that cannot boast. But God decides to use us as donkeys. And we carry the weight of his glory. God wants to use you in the same way. That's why Jesus says, tell the owner, the Lord has need of it. Why are you untying it? The Lord has need of it. The issue here wasn't about the donkey, but it was about ownership. He says, the Lord needs it. In other words, the owner of the donkey, when he heard the word Lord, he realized, I'm going to submit. I won't even ask for any proof. I don't even need to verify. When they say the Lord needs it, I'm going to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. When we submit to the Lordship of Jesus, and we don't become proud and self-absorbed, when we say it's about the Lord pointing at me, even if I feel I have no gifts, I have no talent, but it is the Lord who says he wants to ride on me, I submit to his Lordship. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. All we know is in that moment, the owner relinquished his rights of ownership. He recognized that there is something and someone more powerful than him who is exercising their right to use the animal. You see, when we respond to the gospel, and choose to accept Christ's offer of salvation, we are are responding to God's choice of us. At that moment, when we become God's children, we relinquish the rights to ownership of our lives. We seed our lives and give our lives fully to him because the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians, we get transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We know that the enemy no longer has right over us. Satan no longer has a legal right to control my life. I am no longer his. We know that the enemy has no right to influence any area of my life. We know that my life belongs to God. And as 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we know that this light that's shining in our hearts, we ourselves, we are just fragile clay jars containing great pleasure. So this power you see in us, is the power from God and not from ourselves. So I want to encourage you. The Lord needs you. No matter how you feel about you, God says you are the right person. No matter what has happened to you, God says you are the right person. His blood has cleansed you and made you ready that the Lord is pointing your direction and the Lord is saying, bring that one, bring that one to me. The Lord needs you. You are in god 's kingdom for a reason He wants you to carry the weight his glory it 's not about you it 's about the one who has chosen you. What an honor! What a privilege to be chosen by God to carry an amazing treasure, the presence of God that changes the whole world. God, the Creator, who owns everything, comes to me comes to you and say even if i own everything i need you i need you i need you i need you here's my question what is the item in your life that christ is asking for today is it your time is it your talent is it your money Is it your house? Is it your strength? Is it your family? Because God always asks for humans to help. He asked to use the boat from some fishermen. He asked for their boats. And he took their simple boats. And those simple boats became a pulpit for Jesus to preach to the masses. He asked. Jesus asked a small boy to give him five loaves and two fish. Because he wanted to feed the multitudes. He asked. Jesus asked from the ground when he stooped down to pick up dirt and pick up clay. And make clay out of his pittle. And smear it on a blind man's eyes to perform a miracle. He stooped down to the dirty ground. No matter how dirty you may feel, Jesus is still asking. That he is looking your direction. You are still worth it. He is still asking. He's saying to you, you are still usable. You are still the one that I want to use. Even after he died, he didn't sleep in his own tomb. He didn't have a tomb. He was buried in a borrowed tomb of Joseph Arimathea. Jesus asks. Jesus asks. In short, he's saying, my mission cannot be fulfilled without you. Even though I'm all-powerful, I am Lord. I, want, I have chosen to work alongside with my creatures and use them for my glory as you evaluate your life today ask yourself this question what item do I have that the Lord has need of this week as we head towards Passover what is it that you can do for the Lord you can invite somebody you can pray for somebody you can give somebody transport you can encourage a family the Lord needs you I said, the Lord needs you. You don't have to have special gifts that he is looking in your direction. The Lord says you are the right one. The Lord needs so many of us to use to the glory and honor of his name. As we pray, I want you to ask yourself that question. What is it that I have? What item do I have that the Lord needs? Because that's the question. That's the question. Why are you untying this donkey? Why do you need the donkey? Tell them, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs you. There's somebody out there whose eternal destiny is tied up to you saying yes to the Lord. You may not feel qualified. You may not feel like a strong, powerful horse. You may feel like an ordinary cult that has no gifts, no talents. Maybe others look at you and they pass their eyes over you and they don't care about you. But the one who created you, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. T.T. Jakes likes to say this. God doesn't call the qualified. But he qualifies the ones he called. Hallelujah. God is not looking for Ability. But God is looking for availability. Here am I Lord, send me. What is it that God can do through your life as we go towards Passover? The Lord needs you. Would you bow your heads with me? Bow your heads with me. Even those of you watching by way of television. The Lord needs you. The Lord needs you. As you are listening to this message, whether you are in here, the service, or you are watching by way of television, if you haven't given your life to Christ yet, I want to give you an opportunity right now to invite Christ, a Savior and Lord of your life. The Lord wants to change you. The Lord wants to transform you. When Jesus sent them to go and get the donkey, the donkey didn't put up resistance the donkey willfully followed. Will you willfully follow? Will you willfully give your life to Christ today? If you are here and you've never received Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, and if you're watching by way of television and you've never received Christ as Savior and Lord, and today you're hearing the message, the Lord needs me, and you want to give your life to Christ and say, Lord, here I am. I give you my life. Ordinary as I am, unqualified as I feel, I give you my life. If you need me to pray for you along those lines, our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Would you just raise your hand, please, right where you are. Let me pray for you. Just raise it up. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Just raise it up. Raise it up. Raise it up all over the place. Just raise it up. Raise it up. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I see several hands that are raised. God bless you. God bless you. Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I want you to change me and make me a child of God. Please pray for me, Ruti, Please pray for me. Thank you for those hands. May I ask the people who raised their hands, can you kindly stand on your feet, please, right where you are, if you raised your hands, all right? Just stand on your feet. You can put your hands down, but just stand on your feet right where you are. Just stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Wherever you are, just stand on your feet. Jesus, I need you. I need you to come in my life. Maybe you 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 didn't raise your hand earlier when the people raised their hands, and maybe you are still seated. But, but you want to stand. Just join them right now. Join the people who are standing. Just stand on the feet. You need that prayer. You know that God wants to change your life. God wants to do something in your life. Just stand on your feet right where you are. Just stand on your feet. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. If you've brought somebody, if you've come with somebody and you've been praying for them, you've been talking to them about receiving the Lord and now the opportunity is here, And maybe they're sitting next to you. Maybe they're afraid to stand. Just encourage them. Tell them, listen, listen, I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. Just stand with them right where you are. Right where you are. Just stand with them. I want to pray. God bless you. Just stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just stand on your feet. All over this place. Stand on your feet. All right. God bless you all. I want to pray for all of you who are standing. All right. If you could just walk to the front. Okay. Come stand here. Take your belongings. Don't leave your belongings behind. Come. Let's pray together. Give them a big hand, everybody. We want to pray for you as well on television. Give them a big hand. Come, just face the stage. Just face towards me. That's right. Come stand right here. God bless you. God bless you. Shall we all stand, please, everybody? Give them a big hand, please, everybody. Give them a big hand. Hallelujah.